and wonderful. We have time for a Q&A. So over here we have Monin. Moni has a stick microphone. She can carry it around into the room wherever someone pulls up a hand. If someone has a question, either general or to any of specific, we have the first one down here. And when you ask the question, just say your name, maybe an affiliation, and end with the question mark. Thank you. Uh, I'm Nat. I'm, I work with IKEA. Um, I, I was just interested to ask uh, maybe both of you, or Christina particularly, um, the, the idea of these uh, synthetic materials uh, um, in terms of uh, the environments we live in, because people often talk about with the nature urban split that uh -huh. nature's always soft and urban means hard in every way and that we've seen like so many images these two days of like that kind of blade runner urbanness that is meant to be the future yeah. um and i live in a vestraham and a bit of malmo that's kind of being made now and it's just endless pouring of concrete basically mm. and i was just wondering if you what your thoughts were about how could modern cities become soft in a in a material way that is different uh, that's a great, I love that. Uh, we, uh, there's a joke uh, that my friends and I on, on Twitter have sort of embraced, uh, which is hashtag wood gang. Uh, the idea that like, yeah, when you look to, to nature, to biology uh, for, for building materials and, and for like structural things and, and long lasting things, like can't go wrong with wood. <laughs> right, like, uh, and there's some really beautiful architecture and, and work in sort of construction materials around, like, like uh, mass wood, tim like timber-framed buildings um, that can be quite large and, and and pretty impressive. So I think that there's a, there's movements in architecture to use more more um, renewable and natural materials like wood. Uh, there's some really beautiful work in in mushroom-based materials, whether it's for sort of insulation, um, like uh, sort of walls, like even even flooring, furniture, like you can make things that are quite hard, or brittle, soft, right? Like there's a lot of flexibility um, and new kinds of sort of programmability in those materials. And so I think, yeah, looking to sort of what a forest looks like, how a forest grows, maybe we can sort of pull and learn some of those things and bits and pieces together. Uh, but we'd love to talk more about <laughs> appointing place, uh, spaces with biological materials. Can I just yeah. add something? Of course. Uh, because that's the one thing I left out. <laughs> um, architects actually are looking at hydrogels as well as building materials. Um, and there's just one project I'm thinking of. Uh, I think uh, students, a bunch of students in Spain invented that balls of hydrogels that could be incorporated on the outside of buildings and on hot days the water would evaporate, cooling the building and when it rains they simply swell up again and can be used again and again. So I think that's one direction but I know there's more. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. Any other questions from the room? Over there. Yeah, we have one over here. Very pleasant with a little bit of breaks in between. <laughs> Needs to be moved. Hello, hello. My name is Esther, and um, I have a bunch of questions, but I will keep it short um, for Suzanne. Um, of all the things you said about slime, what stuck with me was that uh, what do we need to know before we collect our own pet slime mold? 
<laughs> and <laughs> in case it's gonna turn into a monster, like who are we gonna call? <laughs> <laughs> me, call me. Yeah. I would like to see it. Um, but uh, uh, like I said, it just took a spoonful and yeah, I think it is okay because I know that not many people are interested uh, in libels. And obviously I, I can't kill it that way. Uh, I think you can actually buy slime molds. I, I've seen ads online for some reason. They pop up um, uh, all the time. So that would probably be a safe thing to do. Uh, the, the problem is, or my problem was that not the slime mold turned into a monster, but you have to keep the moist all the time. And then, of course, you get a regular mold that will just take over and kill everything. And I, I never figured out how to prevent that. So that's the real monster. <laughs> Thank you. We have one more question. Hi, my name is Matt Orlando. I have a restaurant in Copenhagen called Amass, but I've uh, been very interested in, in mycelium over the last few years, and I'm, I'm wondering in nature, where does slime and mycelium cross and how do they interact interact with each other in nature? Because I saw you post a picture of it actually eating the fruiting body of mycelium, but how do they interact maybe subterranean? Um, fungi actually are very slimy, like that, that's a necessity. So another major aspect of slime is that it's a great lubricant and for the slimes crawling, for us eating, every single bite has to pass safely through the body, right? And that the slime that lines the digestive tract helps it along. And fungi and the mycelium need that as well. In order to just penetrate the soil, you need that protection and you need that lubricant. Plant uh, roots use, use the same technique. They're slimy, they're coated in slime. Uh, so that's at least the, the interface that I can, I can think of. The fungi produce it themselves. Cool. Thank you. We have not any more time left for questions. 